Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Driving More Show. Hi, I'm Paul. I'll be your host this evening. It looks like I'll be a solo show as well. I'm not sure how long uh, it uh, will go on for, to be honest, um, because, uh, well, I'm on my own. So we'll see how long I can talk for um, without getting a sore throat <laughs> amongst uh, other uh, things. Um, what are we going to talk about? Well, we've got this long-term um, update on Super Rugby. Uh, we've got some, some news around uh, women's rugby as well and what New Zealand Rugby wants to do. Uh, we've got some coaching changes uh, and some also some sevens news as well. So lots and lots of kind of structurally uh, in this off season, um, rather than necessarily uh, kind of fun and game stuff. Uh, there is some stuff there that I'm probably going to miss out. Um, as uh, as you can tell, I'm not in my local, my usual setup, uh, and uh, this period in the run up to Christmas is a very busy period for me. I make. Um, wooden toys stables and uh, uh and farm buildings uh is one of the things i do and the title of kia play uh and they are very much christmas present style toys and which means that this is the busiest time of year for me uh, and pretty much all the sales happen in this sort of october november december kind of window uh, and then it goes quiet for the rest of the year so uh that's why i'm busy busy and that's why i'm not where i am normally because i'm uh, at uh, the production place making um, these wooden toys and I've not watched or kept up to speed with rugby as much as um, I would have liked to done um, to be honest but some of the news we have got a uh, long-term agreement um, between uh, New Zealand Rugby and Rugby Australia around Super Rugby through to uh, 2030 um, which is good news it gives us some or gives um, the tournament um, some certainty um, which uh, gives us all um, some certainty the fact that it is going to go ahead. I think we all knew it kind of would do uh, in some sort of form. Yes, with some brinkmanship. Yes, with some suggestions. Oh, we could go it alone, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, uh, both New Zealand and Australia need each other uh, being at this side of the world and basically away from all of the other um, major rugby nations. Um, South Africa is in the time zone of, uh, of Europe and, and Argentina. Well, they're stuck again on their own 
over in America's time zone with uh, the USA uh, and Canada, you could say. But look, neither of those two made it to the Rugby World Cup. And so you've got your emerging nations in Uruguay and Chile uh, who have done well. And so you've got Brazil, who have also been involved in the America's Nations Cup previously. Uh, they're um, growing, but um, it's a bit of a, a sort of influx um, a time zone. Uh, but in this one, sure, there is Japan as well. Um, and I guess that's my one disappointment from this was that there was no news uh, around involving Japan or two disappointments. Um, one was the fact that it wasn't going to involve Japan. Um, and the second is that there seems to be no representation on the new administration board uh, for the um, Pacific Islands. Sure, you've got the Fiji and Drua and you've got the Moana Pacifica, but neither of them have a say on the uh, in, in that um, board. In the board, there was uh, representation from New Zealand Rugby uh, and also um, from I have just come and uh, Rugby Australia, as well as uh, the New Zealand Rugby Players Association. And I think it was the International Rugby Players Association representing the, New Zealand, the, the Australian players. But um, nothing there about from the uh, either of the two Pacific players representative, representative um, associations or from um, either of those teams or from their, um, uh, what do you call it, from their uh unions involved in that at all so um it's uh uh it would have been um uh, good from from a super rugby point of view to have uh a representation on that board from the pacific nations i do believe if you're going to be involving them uh, as you since you are involving them as teams so whether that just be one person from the oceania group or something like that may have been the way to to do it um and so the uh, and, and so from from and so I mentioned here that Japan is in the new competition for the Asia Pacific Rugby Americas Championship, but I'm talking more about the sort of club level rather than the um, uh, rather than the international level. But there is um, there is the uh, I was going to have gone blank as I was going with this. Um, whilst we have got uh, certainty around until 2030 that um, they will keep this uh, a, a tournament going. What they uh, and we're going to keep the, the the we're going to start with the current structure, um, which is um, which is good. What um, uh, what they have left open is that um, they uh, they will allow it to evolve, which I think is a uh, a good thing to say. Look, we can change it. We're not we're not locking ourselves into a model for the rest of the rest of this entire seven years because who knows where we're going to be in three four years time. So uh, it's good to see that's there. There's also talk of um, uh, including the uh, of looking at growing um, the uh, women's game um, as well and trying to see about because uh, also got Super Rugby Alpaki with four teams here in New Zealand and Super Rugby W with six teams in Australia um, and about how uh, some sort of cross-border uh, competition there but nothing uh, has been announced yet. One of the problems I've got with this is that the person talking to all the women's rugby has been Stuart Lancaster, who's head of the professional rugby board, blah, blah, blah. I've, we haven't heard anything from, or uh, the, uh, or, or maybe I just missed it, from the women, the head of women's rugby in New Zealand rugby about this kind of stuff. So he seems to have disappeared uh, and doesn't seem to be getting a voice, which is really uh, uh, disconcerting um, around that kind of thing. And when you, when you, New Zealand rugby, oh yeah, yeah now we've got our women's rugby as a focus of us, blah, 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 blah. And then actually the head of women's rugby yeah, doesn't have a place on the board uh, and we're not hearing from her. You kind of, uh, uh, 
it's difficult to see that New Zealand rugby really does have that focus. Um, it seems to be more talk um, than action. Um, let's uh, be honest. Simon points out the Japanese club competition starts next week. Yeah, and uh, the, the whole uh, debacle around the around Sunwolves uh, showed that Sunwolves had an opportunity to bring Japan in um, and they let it go and now it's too late, um, let's be honest. But uh, there is still the possibility of some sort of, uh, a bit like the European Champions Cup, some sort of Asia Champions Cup um, competition uh, is still a possibility and we'll have to see what happens there. Uh, not a great fan of uh, adding more games in, um, to be honest with you. Uh, I think the, the balance of games in the Southern Hemisphere is, is, is correct, whereas in the um, Northern Hemisphere, or in Europe particularly, uh, the, the, there are just too many games um, in a season, and it's uh, a disjointed season where you're jumping between competitions, you've got internationals overlapping with uh, uh, club games, and it's all just a mess. There's at least down here in the Southern Hemisphere, uh, or, or in, sorry, in Southern Hemisphere, anymore, is it? in uh, the USA, Australia, New Zealand, um, and Japan's was certainly pretty good. There's more clarity where you have got, as he says, Simon says, the Japanese club competition starts next week. So that's December um, through till sort of June. Uh, whereas you've got, so the USA uh, and uh, was Major Rugby and Super, and so USA, Canada. And then with uh, Super Rugby going somewhere, was it February or March, February through till, through till June. Um, and then you yeah, basically have six months of club rugby or, and then you have six months of international rugby from July onwards through to November. Um, so it's a very clean uh, season, um, and I can just see a European Champions Cup just muddying uh, that at the moment. So that will need to change um, on that um, side of things. And New Zealand Rugby has talked about wanting to bring the uh, uh, W15 competition down to New Zealand after the success of the Women's Rugby World Cup. Uh, currently, that was envisaged as being played in Europe in that November window, um, and we'll just have to see whether... Uh, that uh, eventuates uh, in that side of things. But again, New Zealand will be so looking, looking at or concentrating on the international game whilst not necessarily, I don't think, getting the grassroots and getting the foundations of the pyramid uh, in place. Um, if you look at uh, uh, Thames Valley, where I am, uh, there's uh, our club, for example, has got two, uh, two men's teams, but yet there's one women's team for the whole valley. Um, I think it is. So, uh, whereas you've got a I think it's eight or nine clubs uh, in the Valley plus, uh, and they have A's and B's teams. So there's lots of teams. So I think there's a lot of work still to be done um, at their foundation level for the women's rugby here in New Zealand. Uh, and uh, I'm sure New Zealand will say they're doing it, but I'll be honest with you, I don't see enough action uh, in that space. When you look at Super Rugby Alpaki only being, uh, was it five weeks long, three rounds of uh, regular season and a semi-final and final, uh, again, that's not a real season for developing players for international rugby. Um, there's a lot of work still to be done at this level, uh, to my mind, before uh, New Zealand rugby starts sort of shooting for international competitions in this country uh, is the uh, kind of uh, way that um, uh, I would uh, uh, I would see it. Um, that's my opinion. There we go. I think the other problem we have with women's rugby is that we just seem to be trying to recreate or copy the men's game on the whole the one thing that they where they are um where they have got is this is the fact that they have this women's uh, or w15 or wxb uh where essentially the best teams or the top three from um uh, the six nations top three from uh the uh, pack four uh, go off into a competition 
uh, and the bottom sides um, uh, have a separate composition with some uh, tier two nations is, I think, a uh, obviously is uh, naturally having a structure to the international season is good. But over in Europe, you've still got the uh, French and, and uh, English um, and also the Irish and other, other um, the, the country club competitions happening at the same time, Six Nations uh, and that overlap. And it also is a bit of a, still uh, a bit of a mess. We are just recreating what is a broken men's game um, for the women, which just seems to be a silly way of doing it if you're starting from scratch, which, they, which is pretty much where we have been um, starting from uh, on that one. So, yes, yeah, so a long term, great for the fact we've got something from Super Rugby. Uh, the, the fact that it's now out of Sanzar's umbrella um, is also a big thing um, as well. Um, but it does, you do kind of, you know, what, what is Sanzar's role anymore? Um, and how does uh, that all um, fit in? So um, it does, uh, what I'm going to say, it does, yeah, it's a bit of a, um, a, bit, a bit of a problem there. Uh, so a bit of a bit of an interest there as to kind of who's controlling what and um, obviously Sanzar's controlling every championship. Is that basically all they control now? Pretty much by the, uh, by the sounds of it. Um, a bit like this, I guess the the, um, the Six Nations uh, committee that uh, just looks after um, the uh, Six Nations. Science says he actually likes the European Champions starting in December, gives domestic leagues time to start um, off after the international calendar. Yeah, um, look, it's just in Europe you're jumping between three different you're jumping through between different competitions, stopping for internationals. Some of them do, like the URC has started to do, and it all just becomes um, a uh, uh, a bit of a mess, uh, in all honesty, up there. You, whereas, I say, six months of club, six months of international, split the year in half, is a much cleaner um, way of um, of doing it. Um, and yes, Super Rugby Alpaki, as uh, Simon Hughes says, they get W15 competition to play home and away. Yeah, um, they get a, but how many games, uh, or and uh, how much money is there for uh, the internationals and how many games of international rugby do you want to have uh, do we want to grow it too much like we have already done with the men's or do we want to try and keep it a, a, to a, a, where a, a scarcity uh, where people actually want to see the games and want to get to them and have more quality games rather than having just lots of games but have fewer games of better quality it's kind of the way I think you want to go uh, with women's game if you can as I say already in Europe it does look like that cat is out that that, that horse has bolted um, unfortunately, um, so that's sort of those sort of things. Actually, keeping on that kind of same theme, uh, the new Sevens World um, Series uh, reimagined um, according to um, World Rugby um, to have just seven um, uh, rounds in seven iconic global locations, apparently across seven months. So, what do the players do for the other five months of um, of the year? Uh, if you explain yourselves to be a full-time job, then taking five months off. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Is that really um, a viable off-season here? Um, all the rounds will be combined men's and women's. Uh, and again, um, with the men's reducing number teams from 16 to 12, is that really growing the game if you're taking out making less um less teams um and uh, you've got teams countries like kenya for example massive in the sevens um but not in the 15s and you're reducing those kind of opportunities which i think is again a backward step do we have to have the women's tours at the uh, yes the women's tour needed more stops but should they be do they all have to be combined stops can't we uh, what we're going to end up with is the places that had women's only stops um, are now going to lose their tournament uh, when you've been growing the game there. So is that really actually a good thing? I'm not a big fan of, uh, of of what World Rugby is doing with this one. Um, by the sounds of it, it sounds like the New Zealand Sevens um, weekend will disappear. And yes, if, you can, if you're going to be competing against Sydney and Australia, they've got a much bigger uh, market financially. Um, and so that would be a better place for it to go. So um, the, the the whole thing of it, I'm not a fan of of this of shrinking uh, a, a game when you're trying to grow it to me that doesn't seem um, like uh, the way um, for it um, but um, but there you go uh, I don't think and, and you're going to say well Paul you just told us that we're over, overcrowded on the 15 side they yes but I don't think the uh, the, the, the sevens thing has been overcrowded in the same kind of way uh, do we really are there the same um, player welfare issues on the seventh side that there is um, on the um, uh, on the uh, what do you call it on the uh, on the 15s I don't know um, so to me it's um, yeah it, it's I, I'm not sure where world rugby is trying to take sevens uh, is this actually growing the sport I'm not sure it is to be honest with you uh, but um, uh, hey, at least they're doing something um, and uh, they're going to have, and they are going to have parity between the men's um, and the uh, the women's side of things. I would have preferred them just to grow the women's side rather than necessarily try to have to. Oh, you have all events have to be combined. Some of them can be combined, and some of them can be separate. I don't see the problems um, with that one. Uh, Christopher Blade says, yeah, a lot of it seems like cost cutting. Yeah, and with the growth of the women's 15s, uh, historically, this was on the men's side of the game. 15s is the premier sport uh, and 7s is very much the secondary sport or a where some uh, basically development um, environment whereas uh, for everyone apart from Fiji um, whereas the uh, in the women's side the 7s has been the premier sport and 15s has been the secondary sport uh, with the growth of 15s and the um, uh, and with professional leagues professional league in England semi-professional in France and the professionalization of it here in New Zealand as well. Are we are we seeing that 15s is going to become the premier sport and sevens a development piece in a similar way um, that it is in the men's game? Again, 
is it necessarily good for the women's game just to copy the men's? Um, I'm not uh, not convinced that it is, um, to be honest. So yeah, not uh, yeah confused as to what well, what uh, World Rugby is trying to do with sevens, um, but maybe they are, as Christopher Bailey says. Because uh, Bailey says they're just trying to cut costs, cut, cut costs, and make it a development piece rather than a um, uh, rather than a standalone sport that can uh, sort of have its own have financially stand its own two feet, have its own superstars, have its own tour, have its own fans in a, a different way to um, uh, to the uh, uh, to, to, to the men's one there uh, in that one. Um, looking then at um, the uh, uh, coaching side of things, which has been kind of a big uh, sort of big news recently, Wayne Pivak has obviously been replaced by Warren Gatland. Um, and um, to me, uh, I can I think this is the only situation where, it's, where actually it's probably going to work or, or could work. Warren Gatland, uh, look, best friends, uh, in his director of rugby role. Um, with the Chiefs, um, basically had been, uh, had been uh, taken a sec- taken a, a second tier, sec- second string to Clayton McMillan, um, who uh, took over um, on um, uh, on that one, uh, and so he wasn't in the primary role that he was hired for. Let's uh, let's so hence I'm pretty sure that um, New Zealand Rugby and the Chiefs were quite happy uh, to uh, get his uh, salary off the books um, because whilst he is obviously adding value is he adding as much value as he was costing um, with him not actually being in a um the uh what's the word i'm looking for uh, being in the uh, being in that kind of head, head coach role um so i think that's probably why he's being released for us obviously he goes back into welsh rugby with a vast amount of knowledge about the setup about the players I'm sure he's been out for a few years um, but a lot of the, there are still a whole bunch of players there that he still knows and he would have known, um, keeping tabs on as they were being developed. So he can pretty much step in and be up and running um, straight away. Um, the uh, uh, Whereas you look at um, if Eddie Jones is replaced with basically, I think it's someone, someone, someone that was nine games until the uh, Rugby World Cup, it does not give um, his replacement much of a chance in uh, in, in that situation. So Scott Robinson, uh, Razor, you've got to say he would uh, um, find it tough uh, walking in to that situation because he doesn't know the players, doesn't know the structures. Ren Nagora, um, pretty similar. Now, he's a bit closer, having uh, um, coached in Europe and so will have come up against some of the players with uh, during the Heineken Cup, etc. Um, but so, so the only one that looks like um, could possibly work there is Steve Borthwick, uh, obviously ex-forwards coach for England. So he does know the setup head coach at Leicester Tigers who doesn't know the players. So he's got an idea as to how things work. Has international experience also with Japan under Eddie Jones. So he's done all his international experiences with Eddie Jones. Will he actually want to step in uh, and replace Eddie Jones at this stage? Um, what's their relationship like? Or will it, will it uh, be purely business um, and uh, the personal side isn't part of it? Who knows? Um, we'll have to wait and see um, on that one. But um, yeah, Steve Borthwick, again, looks like, uh, of the three names that would be mentioned, the only one to me that would be viable in the fact that he has the experience of the setup and the experience of the uh, players um, as well. Uh, Chris Obeyes has um, been with Eddie, Eddie Jones would be a huge mistake. I think this close to every World Cup, you've got to stick with what you've got. 
Um, I know there's been talk also of Dave, of, uh, Dave Rennie being replaced um, at the Wallabies. Now, look, he uh, did enough that, that uh, to, to cut that kind of talk, um, getting that uh, last win um, over Wales with a much reduced, reduced squad. But uh, still, lots and lots of injuries, lots of uh, uh, end-of-year discussions for them and reviews for them to have uh, in Australia um, as well. Um, so I think you've got to go through to the World Cup. Um, the Wayne Pivak one, uh, I say that's, that's the only situation where you, it can kind of work um, on this one. Um, so the... Um, so to me, I think that uh, the what's well, so for, for me that's um, I can see why Welsh rugby has done it. I don't think anyone else should really do it. If England do do it, then Borthwick is the only person. If Australia was to do it, I, I can't see who has international experience, knows the setup, knows the players that could step in um, and replace Dave Rennie. So I think it'd be a very big mistake for the Wallabies um, to do that with Checker already with Argentina. He's not available um, to come back and he would be the, perhaps the only option there uh, to do so. Um, so yes, that um, to me uh, is the, uh, it, it's kind of where I am with this sort of stuff. I, is it actually good for um, men's rugby to ha have this, such a such a uh, focus on the Rugby World Cup on one year, on one tournament every four years? Um, or should there be, or should it be more kind of uh, nuance and sort of uh, and not make it quite such a strict and the hard four-year cycle? Um, I'm not sure. Um, obviously, the World Rugby World Cup, the Women's World Cup, does bring in uh, a lot of extra eyeballs, a lot of focus that you wouldn't get otherwise. So I can understand why it is the big shop window. Uh, it also does fund most of uh, international rugby as well from uh, uh, out, outside of. The rugby championship and the Six Nations, at least, uh, it's what it's World Rugby's main money owner, and for them to grow the sport. So, uh, yeah, it'll be it's um, yeah, I'm a bit uh, kind of in, in in two camps there on that one. And Ian Foster, another one uh, that um, has uh, been kind of in uh, in that sort of situation uh, in, in the cross in the kind of review stage. And if you think about that, maybe Wayne Smith would be up. Who would the only person you want to step in? to do that because again he's got the international experience and uh, has some knowledge of the players but he has been away in japan for a long time razor it's unfair giving him the uh, that kind of role now um just uh, well yeah just less less than a year out from rugby world cup you'd have to give him a five-year um contract and say he was definitely in there for a rugby world cup cycle if you were going to do that so um again ian foster i think was always going to go through and there was no way he was going to get uh, uh, knocked out, uh, replaced this close to um, a Rugby World Cup um, on that one. Um, someone says the word World Rugby that you should be doing, question getting Rugby Pass, turn it into a proper streaming service room matches where they don't have um, broadcasting rights. Yeah, um, look, World Rugby um, buying Rugby Pass from... Um, Sky and uh, part of Sky getting uh, access to or getting the rights to the next uh, round of Rugby World Cup, R R World Rugby events, obviously men's and women's Rugby World Cups, as well as um, the Pack Four and um, uh, the the Sevens uh, stuff as well, or Sevens uh, World Cups as well. Um, 
the yeah, it's 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 a strength the, the way that Rubycast works uh, and behaves online. Uh, it's not a great look for them to be. It's not a great uh, look for them to be um, doing the kind of memes and stuff and stories they're doing when they're owned by World Rugby. Uh, the uh, dr- the yeah, dragging the game into disrepute. Uh, you could suggest by some of the stuff um, that they post and some of the stuff they write. I'm not a big fan of. Uh, I, was, I think Warriors did as a, a streaming service and getting games available to places that didn't have rugby rights was fantastic. I think their writing um, and editorial stuff um, has uh, left a lot to be desired, uh, in my opinion. Um, but uh, but there you go. Um, it has provided some uh, a gateway for some uh, writers uh, to, uh, to 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 uh, get their careers going, and that's fantastic for them. And well done to them uh, for doing that. But I'm not a great fan of uh, the uh, some of the stuff that they do, uh, and some of the podcasts also they've they've uh, been involved with um, as well. The um, Chris Oversi at least they're um, uh, independent and not just a mouthpiece. Uh, yeah, but so I think the way that um, Rugby Australia did it with uh, um, with their media piece uh, worked well. Uh, that uh, you saw the independence and they asked questions, um, but uh, they did, didn't denigrate and go and become a clickbait um, kind of uh, place um, that, um, that Rugby Pass is. Uh, Chris it's been great living in Asia to watch rugby. And look, um, but most of us moved to be, uh, be in all Premier Sports. Okay, uh, not living in Asia anymore. I wasn't aware of that. But um, look, I think, they, I think Rugby Pass did do uh, a, a great thing on the streaming side, I say, but not on the um, not on the editorial and uh, news side of things. So there we go, folks. Um, just a quick one this week, an explanation as to why uh, kind of I missed last week and why this perhaps has been a quick one, um, and that I'm not uh, as focused on rugby at the moment because of uh, the whole Christmas shopping um, thing and uh, making um, wooden toys. So thank you everyone for sticking with me. Uh, normal service will resume in the uh, the new year, uh, but I will start, still try and then uh, get on and talk about the hot topics every Tuesday at 8pm um, if I can. Uh, and I uh, hope you're all staying well and I hope you're all um, preparing for a very uh, fun uh, and uh, enjoyable uh, Christmas. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.